Greetings, everybody. Welcome to another, I guess, podcast, broadcast podcast of the Fight the Good Fight Bible Podcast. I'm here with my good friends Dylan and Bob Santel. Uh, we've been talking about uh, our little, I guess, uh, subject of the devil made me do it. Before we get started, we'd like to share a few ways you can contact us. We strongly encourage interaction. We have a, I'm sorry, an email that's fightthegoodfight10 at yahoo.com. You can follow us at Fight the Good Fight Bible Podcast on Facebook, and we hope to have a Twitter page soon. And again, we we like we really like interaction. You know, the church is made up of a bunch of people. I know most people are used to hearing one guy say a lot of things, and you'll hear that today. But we really want to facilitate people interacting, asking questions. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Uh, and frankly, that's how we get to the truth. We listen to Jesus, then we get together with all of our gifts and uh, ideas and share and edify and build one another up. So we're going to get rolling here. We've been talking about um, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the God of the flesh. The devil made me do it. We've been talking about things that he doesn't do. Like, for example, we spoke in the first podcast, and Dylan can, I guess, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, about the devil really doesn't make us do anything. Uh, if we're tempted in a certain area and we feel like we have a strong fleshly desire for something, he's certainly permitted by the Lord Jesus Christ to put it in front of us, and we can fall into it, but the Lord makes a way of escape. Uh, we talked about things that he's really not um, not as powerful as, uh, as we give him credit for. We kind of give him that power, and it's based on our lust as we're drawn away uh, things of that nature. Talked about some demons and um, some of those that are identified, angels and demons, and how they fell from heaven, and most of you know that sort of thing. And um, today we like to focus on what Satan is doing. Uh, if he's not making us do things we don't want to do, and he's not running around with a pitchfork in his hand, and uh, if he's not continuously trying to make our lives miserable personally, which he's certainly trying to bring tragedy into this world, and, and people are People are happy to allow him to do so. We're happy to allow him to bring a lot of a lot of pain, hurt, and tragedy into the world. But we're going to talk about today what he's really trying to do, and that means we're going to talk about um, the lie of Satan. One of our questions on the true and false quiz, I get almost everybody on, is true or false, Satan is the father of lies. Most people immediately jump in and say, true. Uh, if you look at the scripture, which we are right now, we're going to go to St. John chapter 8, and we're going to read what Jesus said about the devil, about Satan himself, and we're going to learn that, um, well, I want to say technically speaking, it's unfair to say technically speaking, we're going to say spiritually speaking. Spiritual things are very, very detail-oriented. If you get one spiritual thing wrong, you're going wrong the whole way. So we could say, ah, you're splitting hairs, and here's how the text reads, and, and, and technically, technically, we're going to say spiritually. We're going to, we're going to make the point here that <clears throat> Satan is not the father of lies. There's just simply millions of variations of this one lie Satan told because it's so darn effective. So we pick it up in John chapter 8, uh, verse 42. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, 
he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. We're going to make a strong case here, and I know if you're reading another translation of the Bible, almost any other translation, uh, the human way to think of that is Satan's the father of lies. When Satan was in the garden and told a lie, he told Eve one lie. She fell for that lie, was deceived by that lie, and since then, again, every single person born into the flesh in this world, save Jesus Christ, was susceptible to that lie. They believe that lie. It costs, it's the same lie that took down Adam and Eve took down the whole of the human race. The same lie that Eve fell for and, and got him kicked out of the garden in Eden is the same lie that I fell for before I was redeemed. So we're going to take a look pretty closely at that particular lie today. So that, that particular, this particular satanic lie that we're going to speak of today um, is exactly what Satan is spending most of his time and effort doing. He is trying to protect this lie. There's a couple ways you can phrase this, but I'm just going to throw it out there that it's the lie of the righteousness of man. Satan's lie is a lie based in false righteousness. If Satan can convince people that they have any righteousness or goodness of their own, he can quickly convince them they don't need a savior or if they do need a Savior, it's not a complete Savior. They don't need to save from everything, just from a few mistakes they've made or a few of this and that. But what he's trying to do is protect his lie that man is righteous, that man can be acceptable to God apart from the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And obviously, he's done a very good job of protecting that lie. I'm going to make a statement here. It's going to shock a lot of people. It's designed to shock a lot of people. Frankly, the statement is Satan doesn't care how many people you tell about Jesus. He doesn't care how many times you go around telling people Jesus loves you. He doesn't quote. He doesn't care how many times you quote John three sixteen and hold up at football games. He doesn't ter- care how many people you baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. To be honest with you, as long as you don't interfere with his lie that man is righteous, he doesn't care what you do. And this is for us church people. So be careful when you're running around saying you're preaching the gospel when you're not take, making a full-out assault on this lie of Satan. And it's going to stir people up. It's going to affect people. It's going to offend people. And it's going to make people angry much of the time. If you look at our world today, there's not a whole lot of people running around saying they're offended by the fact that Jesus was a perfect, holy, giving, caring, benevolent man. And I've never had anybody hit me in the face for saying Jesus loves you But when I tell people that, you know, you've been tricked into thinking you're a good person and you're only evil, that might might stir some things up in people. So when we're talking about Satan and his lie, it's a good one. It's it's one, again, that took down the whole human race. And one thing we need to understand and accept and know that his lie, because it's based in a power of God's righteousness and it's a spiritual lie, Our human powers of knowledge, understanding, human wisdom, human intelligence is worthless against it. It cannot, it defeats it. Satan's lie defeats anything in our life when we try to think we can please God or follow God or make a decision for God or Christ or anything like that. So if we can accept the fact that Satan's lie is simply the lie of the righteousness of man, it's going to be tough. But you got to look at organizations in this world that defend that lie. And you can look at a lot of them. Most religions will always defend Satan's lie 
that man is good. We just have to find our nirvana. We've got to do enough works. We've got to have the right religion. We've got to have enough self-esteem. We've got to have enough self-anything to overcome the evil. The only thing that overcomes the evil that's in this present world is righteousness. And it's the righteousness of one man, Jesus Christ. And that gets you in the whole realm of what what is Satan what is Satan using to protect his lie, defend his lie? What are the two big elements of it? There's two things that Satan uses primarily to protect and defend his lie that man is righteous. Generally speaking, there's one outside of the church of Jesus Christ that's highly, highly effective. As a matter of fact, it's foolproof, and that's the lie of moral legalism. Satan uses the concept of morality to trick people into thinking they're good people. Now, we would call that inside the church walls. We would say things like, hey, hold up. You're confusing morality with righteousness because morality is not righteousness. Morality is a work of the flesh, and righteousness is a transformation of our spirit. Righteousness is what we get from Jesus Christ when he imputes it to us, when he lends us that righteousness, and we obey that. We walk in the spirit. Morality is a work of the flesh. So outside of the church, outside of the the redeemed, it's not fair to say outside of the church the way we see it today, Outside of those who are regenerated and transformed in our lives and our spiritual eyes are opened, outside we're going to call that power Satan uses moral legalism. He's trying to convince Bob and Dylan and whoever else walks in that, hey, you know what? You can, you can be in a political group, a religious group, but as long as you're a good person and wear a Kindness Matters t-shirt and you're enough signs in your yard, that that's right. How could a good God, Bob, how could a good God send anybody to hell if they're doing the best they can? Well, because he's righteous and he has to. And he's declared, you're unrighteous and I have to. If we go back to the scripture right here in John chapter 8, when he's talking to the Jewish people who are not a part of the church the way we see it today, they're religious people, he actually declares that they are of their father, the devil. Apparently, according to the Holy Scriptures, that you're going to spend eternity with one father or the other, whichever one you serve in this world. I I hope and choose to spend eternity with my heavenly father, uh, the God of righteousness and justice and mercy, whom I know pretty well over the years. I hope to, hope to hang on, Dylan, until the end and, and see him and spend eternity with my father, uh, Yahweh, my father God in heaven. Those of us who decide to trust in the lie of our flesh, the lie of morality, uh, the lie of Satan, if they believe in his lie, they'll spend eternity with the Father they choose to choose to serve here. It's a very sombering truth. Nevertheless, it's recorded here in the Scripture, and that's what Jesus says. You're of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. The lust of your father, the devil, you will do. Satan had a lust to be on top. He had a lust to be a big-time leader. He had a lust to be a big-time everything, look at me, Right? He had a prideful lust in his heart. He had strong desire to glorify himself. Anybody in this world who has a strong desire to glorify themselves and be in a position of hierarchy of any means, and that's their goal in life, and they thrive in that, can pretty pretty well bet they're their father the devil. That's what he wanted to do. And I've chosen to put Jesus on that throne, and I'm going to sit way underneath. I'm, I'm just happy to be at, the, at his feet, which is where we're supposed to be. So outside of the church, we have this lie of moral legalism that destroys people's lives and sends them to hell, quite frankly. Now we move inside the church, 
Do you think, Bob or Dylan or anyone out there in podcast land, do you think Satan has a different lie inside the church and outside the church? He can't. He's only got one lie. He's just got to take a different approach to convince a person inside the church of Jesus Christ that they are good in themselves, that they have something special, that somehow they have become a, a, a righteous being. He has to use another variance of this lie. And that lies religious legalism. When you get into the church, then he has to start using the religious legalism. He's got to get people that are redeemed. There's an old story when I was very young in the Lord about the Billy Graham Crusades. And I was way too young to be trusted down there in the pit, they call it, when people would come down. But all of the cults were down there. The Seventh-day Adventists, the Jehovah's Witnesses, all the false religions were down there because when people in their heart would try to make a a decision. I'm not a big person with the decision. When they would try to commit themselves to Jesus Christ through the, the ministry and preaching of Billy Graham, they get down there, the cults would try to pick them off. They'd grab them, and, and that's where you get most of your Jehovah Witnesses this day. A lot of Seventh-day Adventists, they, they, they get them from the Billy Graham Crusades because they immediately take a true word spoken of repentance and faith. You've got Billy Graham saying, you got to repent because you're unrighteous. you got to repent, you're unrighteous. i got to repent. i got to receive Jesus. i got to repent. By the time they get down there and they meet a Seventh-day Adventist, Jehovah's Witness, um, a Messianic Jew, that was a big thing then too. And then they try to they try to do the old Galatians Judaizer thing. They try to con- not not see you transform and converted. They just want to conform you to some religion, and we quickly lose them that way. And that's what Satan does in the church. He tries to make it a religious activity. He tries to make everything that's supposed supposed to be transforming and spiritual into some conformity and fleshly. So you feel good about yourself again, and it works like a charm. You see churches that are completely carnal. You see churches that are so confused about righteousness, they don't know what to teach anymore. So they kind of default to doing other religious activities and getting people plugged in and connected and all these things and big events and big churches. But the truth of the matter is, there's only one lie Satan's telling, and that's the one lie we have to combat. People have to keep telling me, and as a minister, a servant of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I must keep reminding people you're still unrighteous. The, the day before a person's redeemed, they're unrighteous people. The day you are redeemed, you're an unrighteous person. The day after redeemed, you probably can guess this, you're an unrighteous person. At no point do you does your flesh become some righteous entity. It doesn't. The Holy Spirit comes in to live in you, and at that point, you certainly have a big advantage because you have the you have the option of living in your spirit, living in His spirit. Rather, I digress. Living in His spirit versus your flesh, you can overcome that, can't you? But you still don't have any righteousness of your own. But you can be quickly convinced that you do because we can get you into a church and teach you about some religious activities that will make you more pious than the person down the street. If you look at, oh, you have the. A great example of this is a Southern Baptist who would teach you that, well, you walk in the church, you make your decision for Jesus Christ, no matter what you do the rest of your life, do whatever you want, live the most immoral life you want, as long as that prayer you meant it, you're fine and going to heaven. I take great exception to that because Jesus would, Paul would, and the Holy Spirit would. You're not going to mock God and get away with it. You're just simply not. So you got to be careful there, but you can find many ways to justify that. The other side of the coin is, the free will Baptist, who would teach you, Bob, that you walk in on a Sunday morning and you're going to get saved on a Sunday morning, but by Sunday night you could be losing your salvation if you wear the right, wear the wrong clothes or, or slip up or something. Well, neither one of those is true. 
Because God is righteous, we're walking by faith. How do we combat either one of those? Hey, Lord, I've made a mistake. I've sinned against you, and I've been saved, and I'm deeply sorry. I repent. The same repentance and faith that saved you will keep you in the body of grace, and you're required to do it. Satan would want to tell you different. He would want to tell you different because he's not concerned about your eternal soul. He's concerned about hurting God and bringing tragedy and destruction in your life. And my gosh, if this society of ours doesn't prove it, nothing I say is going to help that. So what we like to just present in this last last segment, we'll call it the segment, of Brother Devil Made Me Do It, is this, is this particular truth that Satan told a lie in the garden, the same lie he tells today, and it's the lie of the righteousness of man. The Holy Scriptures record that man has no righteousness. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. It records without question. You can't miss it unless you want to miss it. That man is not righteous. Paul goes as far to say as there's nothing good that dwells in man at all, Bob. There's nothing good dwells in you. Unless the Holy Spirit of God is working through you and you're completely dead to yourself and out of the way, nothing counts as good. Satan wants people to believe, no, you're good and getting better. And I know better than that. I'm I'm evil and I'm unrighteous and getting worse. I'm becoming more corrupted in my flesh every day. I'm getting closer to physical death every day, but thankfully we're getting stronger in the spirit. And be especially aware of things in the church. Be aware of anything that people present in the church as religion that they say is required for you to to be acceptable to God. We see that in the book of Galatians, which the first words recorded in the New Testament to the church of, of Galatia was this warning, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or the hearing of faith? How'd you get the Holy Spirit? You heard and you believed, and God gifted it to you. It's not called the debt of life. It's called the gift of life because God gave it to you. I don't owe Him anything except my loyalty to Him, except my heartfelt commitment to walking in love and walking in the Spirit, and there's not a religion ever invented that's going to accomplish that. There's no real religion for loving people. Only the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. So anything you see in the church where Satan is trying to convince people that there's something they have to do religious-wise to be accepted to God, reject it. Simply reject it. Um, It's pretty confusing because the main tool that Satan likes to use, and I, I, I assume the only tool he could use because it's the only access he had to the power of God's righteousness, was his law. And that's what, God, that's what Satan does. He tries to convince me when I'm lost, if I can keep the law, I can be saved. Is that true? It's not true because I can't keep a righteous law. It's spiritual. I'm carnal. Strike one. I'm an unrighteous man who can't keep anything. Strike two. And the Bible clearly records the law is there to condemn me. Strike three. I'm out. So why in a million years we would think that bringing that same lie into the church and teaching people that would be effective is beyond me. We keep the law now, not because there's a bunch of, not, not in the stony commandments written, not the commandments written in stone, but in our fleshly heart. Bob, I know I shouldn't harm you or take from you, right? Because Jesus tells me that. The Holy Spirit convicts me of that. I don't need a law to tell me not to harm you. I love you. I have no desire to harm you. And that's not because of me. It's because of Christ. So be careful because once you get into that, that religious legalism state, there's only one place to go from there. That's what the Bible calls apostasy. It makes you forget the, the God who saved you. It makes you forget the blood that was shed for you. It makes you forget what you committed to, and it makes you a hard, angry, cool son of a gun. It makes you very. We've all met judgmental religious people, Christian people. That's where they come from. 
they believe the same lie they were redeemed from, and they become a hard line and want to make you measure up to a standard. As Jesus would say, you bind heavy burdens on people, you won't move with one of your fingers. Why, why are you making Bob? Why, why are you looking at the, why are you working the speck in Dylan's eye when you got a two by four hanging out of your own? Why are you looking at this speck of unright? Why are you looking at this speck of immorality? And this, uh, yeah, maybe Bob's cussing a little bit down the street, or maybe this and that. Maybe Bob's got a few. He's not perfect yet. But why are you judging him? Because you got a beam of self righteousness hanging out of your own eye, and that's the difference too. When people are outside the church, it's the lie involving unrighteousness. They're trying to justify immorality. It's much worse within the walls of the church because it becomes self-righteousness. It becomes, look at me, I'm better than you. It becomes title-oriented. Our church is so title-oriented. Everybody wants a title. I think the most recent one I heard, it's not the most ridiculous, but it's up there. I think it was uh, online discipleship pastor. Now, these are the same people that say, we do things in the Bible, Bob. We do things from the Bible. So the scriptura. We do things that are in the Bible. That's how we do our church in the Bible. Well, I want to find out online discipleship pastor in the scripture. I understand it's a different culture. I don't care what culture it is. I don't care what. There's only two types of people in this world. There's only one type. There's unrighteous people, and there's unrighteous people redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. And you better stick with the, with the latter. You better understand that I'm an unrighteous person in need of redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ every single day. And we just do this to protect you because, uh, you know, I feel like that's my job doing sometimes is just to tell people and not to make people upset or people that are would disagree. I hope most people disagree with this because there might be a few people that say, I do disagree. But uh, if you look down here at John chapter 8, they vehemently disagree with Jesus. Vehemently disagree. We are not of our father the devil. We got Abraham to be our father. What are you talking about? You have no idea about what you're talking about. Well, I think we all know now Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. And it's not bad sometimes to have a little controversy and shake things up and make us all think a little bit and err on the side of caution. All right, so we've covered quite a bit of ground. I mean, our goal was to make sure people were aware, uh, didn't get a chance to obviously quote all the scriptures regarding the lie of the devil, the lie of Satan. We did talk a lot about righteousness and because the truth of Jesus Christ is a truth of righteousness and the lie of Satan is a lie based in the false righteousness, we thought we might uh, do a one-off podcast, Dylan informs me, which would just be one little segment uh, about this concept of righteousness in general, imputed righteousness, where the Bible teaches that when a person is redeemed, they do not become a righteous person they are imputed or they are lent righteousness from Jesus Christ. It still belongs to him under his authority. It's not your own. You do not become a righteous person. It might be well put this way. When you're redeemed, you're not a human being anymore. You're, you're different than a human being. You're a new creation. You're not completely human because you have an incredible power of God living in you righteousness. So you don't become, you're not just a human being, but you're certainly not a God. Don't let people convince you you're now a God. The Mormon Our Mormon people would convince you you're a God. That's not true either. So the next podcast, we will talk about that. We spend most of our time in Romans talking about the power of righteousness, the truth of righteousness, the definition of righteousness, and the concept of imputed righteousness and your salvation. So we appreciate you listening. Fight the good fight 10 at yahoo.com with any criticism, complaints, words of encouragement, questions, whatever you want there. Uh, Fight the Good Fight Bible Podcast on Facebook. 
and we'll be back with you soon.